Joshua chapter 2. Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two men out of Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, including Jericho. They went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they slept there. The king of Jericho was told, Behold, men of the children of Israel came in here tonight to spy out the land. Jericho's king sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered into your house, for they have come to spy out all the land. The woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they came from. About the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them under stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. The men pursued them along the way to the fords of the Jordan River. As soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Before they had laid down, she came up to them on the roof. She said to the men, I know that Yahweh has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how Yahweh dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and to Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there wasn't any more spirit in any man because of you. For Yahweh your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by Yahweh, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a true sign, and that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all that they have, and will deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life is yours. If you don't talk about this business of ours, and it shall be, when Yahweh gives us the land, then we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was on the side of the wall, and she lived on the wall. She said to them, Go to the mountain, lest the pursuers find you. Hide yourselves there for three days, until the pursuers have returned, Afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless of this, your oath, which you made us to swear. Behold, when we come into the land, tie this line of scarlet thread in the window, which you used to let us down. Gather to yourselves into the house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. It shall be that whoever goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood will be on his head and we will be guiltless. Whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand is on him. But if you talk about this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless of your oath, which you've made us to swear. She said, Let it be as you have said. She sent them away, and they departed. Then she tied the scarlet line in the window. They went and came to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers had returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way but didn't find them. Then the two men returned, descended from the mountain, crossed the river and came to Joshua the son of Nun. They told them all that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, 
Truly, Yahweh has delivered all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land melt away before us. So we've got spies and secrecy going on here in Joshua chapter 2. <laughs> you can't say that there's not, you know, secret agents in the Bible and all this type of thing. Very exciting. So the book starts with the two spies. They go into the city. They go to the house of the prostitute. Now, some people have said that, ah, oh, that was evil. They shouldn't have gone to the prostitute's house. But no, they, were, they weren't going there for immoral purposes. They were going there because to them, they're trying to find information and what better place to go than a prostitute's house because that person uh, you know, has contact with a lot of people, sad to say. Now, some, um, some Bible experts, uh, commentators, they think that the word innkeeper and the word prostitute are the same word in, in the ancient Hebrew language. So they think that maybe Rahab wasn't a prostitute, maybe she was just an innkeeper. You know, they, were, they went to stay in the inn. Um, well, th there's a kind of a truth to the fact that, that innkeepers and prostitutes, um, it's the same word, there's a kind of a truth there. But the, the fact is that in the New Testament, in the Greek language, they refer to Rahab as a prostitute, but also... Prostitutes were people who would put people up for the night. So the kind of clientele, um, you know, the service that's being offered, we're giving people a place to stay, they, there was a lot of overlap. But also, innkeepers were not always women. In fact, they were mostly men in ancient times. I think what's really clear here is that she really was a prostitute. And that's very, very interesting because Rahab is one of only four women that's mentioned in the, the genealogy of Jesus. And um, so what happens is that after the city of Jericho falls, Rahab and her family survive, she ends up marrying a man called Salmon or Salmon. Um, and then, you know, she becomes the mother of a man called Boaz. And we're going to meet Boaz in the book of Ruth. Um, Boaz becomes the father of um, Obed. And he becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of King David. So Rahab here is the great-great-grandmother of King David from the tribe of Judah. So, And then, of course, it goes all the way down to Jesus. So we've got something very interesting here where in the genealogy of Jesus, there's these four women. Now, not counting Mary. Mary's on the other side. But on this one side of Jesus coming down, there's four women. One is Rahab, who was a prostitute. The next one was Ruth, who was from Moab, wasn't even Jewish. Before Rahab was a woman called Tamar, and we've covered that story in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 38, and that's a crazy story as well of immorality and, and having children out of a wedlock, and Tamar actually pretends to be a prostitute. And then after Ruth, we've got the fourth woman in Jesus' family line, Bathsheba, and that's where David made his big mistake and um, had a child from Bathsheba who was Solomon. So you've got... These four women in Jesus' line, and they're all a little bit um, people of um, either ill repute or, in the case of Ruth, a great woman, but wasn't even Jewish. And uh, But of course, it's not just the women. In Jesus' family line, there's a lot of men that do dodgy things too. <laughs> you think of King Manasseh. There was no more evil king than King Manasseh. 
and uh, you may not know your Bible history, but there, in the family line of Jesus, there's all sorts of sin and terrible stuff that goes on. And I just think it's amazing that right here in the Bible, we've got the story of Rahab, a prostitute, and yet the Lord saves her. She gets saved in the Battle of Jericho. And some people have said, oh, it's so cruel that the Lord gave this command to completely destroy every single person. And uh, we're going to talk about that in, in chapters 8 or 9 of this. We're going to talk about um, this idea of completely destroying a city and why the Lord would even say to do such a thing. But what we see here in Jericho is that he, there was actually a family that was saved, Rahab's family. And they weren't saved because they were good. She was a prostitute. But they were saved because they had, I, I guess you could say it in a, using a New Testament term, repentance. Here's a person that saw what was going to happen. They acknowledged there was no way they could survive, but they had to go to that source. They had to go to the Israelites and say, save us. You know, uh, and this is what we have to do with the Lord. We have to go to the Lord. We have to acknowledge that all of us are sinners. We all deserve destruction. But we have to say to the Lord, I am sorry. We have to repent. Would you save me? And then just like Rahab, even though we're just as wicked and evil as she is, we're saved. And so in the story, they say to her, hang this scarlet cord in your window and you'll be saved. You and all your family, everyone that's in that house. And the scarlet cord, that's a symbol of the blood of Christ. And when we take the blood of, the, uh, the blood of Christ and we hang it in our lives, we apply it to our lives, we're saved. <laughs> Who knew all this stuff was in the book of Joshua? And so we look at, I look at Rahab and I'm just amazed that someone that's had such an immoral background, someone from a, a society where they worshipped idols, didn't care for the Lord at all, but she cast her mercy on the Lord and salvation is extended to her. And that's just a picture of salvation that all of us experience if we come to the Lord. And um, the truth is, that what happened to all the rest of the people in Jericho is the same thing that happens to every human being in the world who doesn't uh, bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him. All of us will perish for our sins unless we find grace and salvation through repentance. So um, it's an interesting chapter. And, and, and Jesus is right here in the book of Joshua too. So... Um, a few more quick things that are worth mentioning. The spies were hid on the roof of, of Rahab's house under um, flax. So it had just been the barley harvest. Apparently this was springtime, which is when the barley is harvest. That's around about um, the same time as uh, Passover. Um, and basically um, in the archaeological records, they've actually found this grain. Because what happened was when the city was eventually destroyed was completely burned well they found in the in the archaeological burning and the records they found all this grain and um, so that's one of the interesting confirmations of what we see here in chapter two and um, one other thing that I think is interesting is that um, Rahab said to them she said go and hide in the mountains now Jericho is below sea level in fact I looked it up According to Wikipedia, it's 258 metres below sea level. And the Jordan River, which runs from up north, near, you know, up in Galilee, where Jesus came from, it, it runs downhill the whole way, and it gets to sea level 
but then it keeps going below sea level. So it's an interesting, interesting river that ends at the Dead Sea, which is like 400 meters below sea level. So there's actually over the space of about 60 miles or 100 kilometers, this river drops um, five, six, seven, 800 meters. It's, it's actually quite a significant drop and the water flows quite quickly. And um, at just near where the Dead Sea is, which is only about five or six kilometers south of Jericho, you've got this place called what we call today Kerbet Qumran, which is where all the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And, and because all of this is below sea level, where the mountains start, they just rise really rapidly because they're, they're getting back up to the elevation where land normally is. And so we've got Joshua, these two spies, and they're told by Rahab, go to the mountains and hide for three days. Well, interestingly, they very probably could have hidden in those exact same caves or very similar close caves to where we found the Dead Sea Scrolls today. So I think all of these things are very, very interesting. There's a lot of archaeology being done on the conquest of Canaan, and we're going to cover some of that in the chapters ahead. And uh, I just find it fascinating that there's so much proof of the Bible, and especially when we get to the walls falling down around Jericho. It's incredible how archaeologists have confirmed all of that. There are, of course, archaeologists that don't want to believe the Bible, so they'll jump at any little thing that can confirm anything that says it's not. But when you, with an objective mind, look at the archaeology, it's like, wow, these things that happened, you know, 3,400 years ago, they're still there for us to see. And one of them is this grain that they found that was burned. You know, normally in a siege, the, the siege would last a long time. The grain would all get eaten up. But the fact is that there's all this grain stored. It confirms that it was just after the harvest and the siege was short. <laughs> it's amazing. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've preserved in the archaeological record, but you've also preserved in our heart, Lord, the truth. But Lord, there are men and women who don't want to know the truth. They want to believe anything except what's true. Lord, I ask you to forgive them. And I ask, Lord, that mercy would be extended to them. Lord, to people all around us who are avoiding you. Lord, just like all the Amorites in Jericho who, who didn't want to consider, you know, surrendering to God, but Rahab did. And I pray that people around us would be like Rahab, would be, would, that they would surrender their hearts and be saved. Lord, I ask for your mercy and your grace to be at work through us to others in Jesus' name. Amen.